Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. Guy, come in last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to say hello to the bad guy. I'm your host, Lot, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now, we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not gonna be covering too many serial killers. Uh, that's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. But honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So, speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host today. Back by popular demand, the the new workhorse, my boy Tank. Yeah, how's it going, everybody? And then also with us today, longtime show contributor and host of the new North Jersey Memoirs podcast, J-Bone. Hey, everybody, how's it going? And super excited to be bringing you the North Jersey Shore Memoirs coming up soon. To be debuted in April. What, well, you said uh, April 1st, right? Yep, it's a Wednesday. That's the episode one will drop. <clears throat> and every week after that, it's going to be like a revisit of The Sopranos. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning, go week to week. Invite you guys to come watch, just experience the, the art that it was, you know. All right. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for coming today, guys. Uh, Drink-wise, Tank, you always bring your A-game with some drinks. All right, we got one from Austin Brothers up in uh, Alpena, Michigan, and uh, this one's called Paralyzer. It's a double IPA, 9.7 on the alcohol content. It's uh, dry hopped, a double IPA. A little bitter, not my favorites, but uh, I like the strong alcohol content brews, so um, I'd come back to it again. All right. I am going to say that was 9.7. You got to pace yourself on that. Yeah, yeah. I always like to start off, with, but... But to be fair, I don't think any of the ones I got tonight are, are weak ones. They're all six and above. Well, we're both big guys. We put them down quick. Like, you don't realize you sit there and have a couple beers like they're Bud Lights. <laughs> and yeah. Then, and then you stand up to go somewhere, and all of a sudden it hits you. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm drinking big boy beers. Mm-hmm. That's how the IPAs are designed. They're not like a slam beer. They're a sipper, if you will. The problem is I can't drink. <laughs> That's yeah. what they're designed for. I still just drink everything. Like You're not designed for sipping <laughs> And Jay, you always go. You I go just went classic. pretty run of the mill. It's good. A Belgian lager, Stella Artois. Well, you know, Stella, that was a craft beer before we knew what craft beers were. Right. Yeah. You only before had a couple a choices. It, it was Stella or Heineken. Domestics. Yeah. Sam Adams came late, and then now your cousin's got a brewery. Yeah. Right. Every corner. Yeah. I got quickly becoming my new favorite brewery, the Grand, Ar- Grand Armory Brewing. I got this white chocolate blonde, and when I was there, I know we had the, we had the Nutter Butter ones the one time. Those peanut butter stouts were real good, but they I, I found a barrel-aged virgin, version of those, so I'm probably about to hit this Grand Arbory Brewing pretty hard. It's just like this uh, nice little cash, you know, treasure trove of beers I ain't never drank before to try out. Yeah, I don't think they're uh, that bad on price, too, if I remember right. They seem to be pretty reasonable. I got to make sure we got to uh, thank Swaino for letting us use a song for our intro music. He's a talented kid, local artist. Uh, go to his YouTube channel and subscribe to him. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Bad Guy Podcast. And the pictures that we'll look at later are available on Instagram. Uh, we also, on Instagram, you can see our new cover art, friend of the show, Cancer. He runs a graphic design business called uh, Eyes Bleed Defiance which you can also find on Instagram and see a lot of his work on there. But you can see our new cover art that he did. I you like got, it a lot. Yeah, you guys both seen it, right? Yeah, I like it, definitely. All right, well, we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Fred Burke. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. So Fred Burke, a.k.a. Fred Killer Burke, was born May 29th, 1893 in Mapleton, Kansas. 1893? Yeah. I like the old ones, man. Yeah. Now, when he was born, his name was Thomas A. Camp. Okay. So Way we'll, different than Fred Berg. We'll, we'll get there. But as of right now, Thomas A. Camp was born in 1893 in Mapleton, Kansas. What, what I love about the nickname... Fred Killer Burke is it's not the killer it's just killer you know yeah. it kind of gives it a weird extra vicious kind of feel to it <laughs> like our home Tom Killer Kowalski rest in peace he was one of eight children and when he was young he was said to have average intelligence he was a regular Sunday school attendee was kind of just a typical regular big family kid in Kansas at the time it was mandatory in the 1800s <laughs> 
At 17 years old, he got involved in a land fraud scheme with a traveling salesman. Afraid of prosecution, he fled to Kansas City, where he basically took up a full-time criminal career, and he changed his name to Fred Burke. I don't know why he's out committing land fraud with the local traveling salesman, but... And what, what year did you say that was again? So this would have been 1910. 1910, okay. The yes. war in 10s. 17. <laughs> yeah, 17 years old. 17 years old with a big scheme, baby. And started his life a crime. Like, he found a career right then and there. Like, you know, I'm going to the big city. New York? No, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you see a lot back then, though... Once you commit a crime and laws after you, like there was a lot of guys that just kind of I always call it going pro. But yeah, they get yeah. one thing early and they just decide ah, I'm just gonna go gangster full time. I did a lot of that regular work and shit, and uh, this was a lot easier. So this is what I'm gonna do. By 1915, he uh, moves to St. Louis and he joins the city's top gang, which is called the Egan's Rats Gang. Anytime your gang's got rats or a gangster, you know, just with the connotation of rat, kind of tough having rat in your gang name, but... Well, and think about that, too. Like, you're the gang. Like, I mean, don't you get to make the name, kind of? I mean, if you don't <laughs> like the name that that was given to you, you you know, eventually you just convince people to change it or whatever, but maybe, I imagine, in my mind, one of those guys like, yeah, the rats, well, you know, fuck it, we're, we're dirty like fucking rats or something, like, just going with it, I don't know. Well, because e- Egan's was, it was a guy named Tom Egan that started the game, but, so yeah, so it could have been Egan's Anythings. Yeah. But, yeah. You can't be your henchmen or your goons yeah. or your rats. The, the saber-toothed tigers? <laughs> nope. We're, the, we're Egan's rats. Fucking be scared of them rats, boys. But they were actually... Uh, they're a pretty big gang at the time. Uh, it took the mob a little bit longer to get out west, which St. Louis and Kansas City turned into big mob towns. But early on, it was a lot of these small Irish gangs, like the Egan's Rats gang. All right. Fred Burke was tall, well-built, and honest-looking, which had them make that—he was kind of made the front man for their forgery and fraud wing of their little operation. He was the only rat that was clean enough to go in the bank without drawing suspicion. Like <laughs> By 1917, uh, he was close to being indicted for on a forgery charge, so instead he opted to enlist in the U.S. Army, where he served as a, a tank sergeant in France in World War One. Okay, so basically a time in need where they're like, well... We know you're a criminal and shit, but World War One. I, I mean, you might be able to do us some good over there. Let's let's get it. This is trench warfare. We're not in a position to be picky. Yeah, this is like Peaky Blinders time. I don't know if you guys follow that show, but they were uh, actually, you know, that that was based back then. And, yeah, uh, when same you said, timeline. When you said World War One, that's exactly what I thought of. Like, I immediately pictured the attire. I pictured them fucking digging goddamn tunnels and shit. Yeah, well, the Americans they were the they were the doughboys. Oh, okay. So we were uh, unchiseled and, and yeah, and we were right. kind of the new guys. Well, it turned out America, fuck yeah. So Damn. yeah, we well, kicked. France was still France back then. They were calling us doughboys. Like, well, if four fucking people swam over here, they rule France. You know, right. like everybody <laughs> was fucking France up. Hey, you're calling us doughboys. In the meantime, we're going to bail you out of this. And then we'll be back in about 20 years to do it the fuck again. Yeah, and I, by the way, when we come back in 20 years, you guys are going to have to beg us for a little while to jump into it. Because we won't be the doughboys no more. After his discharge, soon after, he ended up arrested in Michigan on a land fraud charge. And since he couldn't stay out of trouble, he did a year in Michigan on the land fraud charge. And then he still got the extra year back in Missouri on the pre-war charge. So he ended up doing them all. He did the time and went to war. Retroactively fucked him. Uncle Sam said, thanks for your service, dickhead. Oh, loopholed (laughs) you. We fucking loopholed you. Didn't see that coming, did you, Killer Burke? You got more uh, sharp on your book smarts there, killer. By 1922, he rejoined the Egan's Rats gang. He was working with a handful of other guys that had also been vets in World War One, and they started kind of exclusively working in robberies, armed robberies. Their biggest robbery at the time, they robbed a St. Louis distillery for $80,000. Oh, no shit. All right. All right, big money, right? They had went to war. They had some training with guns, and when they got back home to you're back in St. Louis, all of a sudden those skills... Translate pretty well you on have the street. Egan rats and Egan tunnel rats. <laughs> Which faction are you? Towards 1924, most of the leaders of the gang ended up in prison and in jail. Wanting to stay out of that, Killer Burke kind of took his little crew and he went back to Michigan where he had made some connections right after the war. And he started working basically as a freelance contractor for the Purple Gang. 
most people, if you listen to the podcast, you know we're I'm a big fan of the Purple Gang. That was the the previous logo was the Purple Gang picture. They're local to Detroit, and they are kind of known for their viciousness. Yeah, so we keep it local. The <laughs> standard at which the uh, DEFCOM scale is set, right? Yeah, we don't put them at the top because they're a bunch of bunch of nice Jewish fellas. Damn straight. He worked for them for a couple years. In 1927, a Chicago-based jewel thief named Frank Wright, he was working with uh, two guys from New York, Joseph Bloom and George Cohen. They started operating out of Detroit, and a lot of their operation was based around kidnapping gamblers and then, you know, ranting them back out. But then they started kind of butting heads on some issues when kidnapped multiple Purple Gang gangsters. Oh, okay. So they're just, you know, they're out there running their operation, kidnapping motherfuckers, and... When you're when you're in the business of kidnapping gamblers and shit, you're gonna stumble into some gangsters along that path. The wrong Oops. dudes. Yep. So that definitely kind of raised tensions, which escalated on February third, nineteen twenty seven, when Frank Wright and his group killed a purple gang drug dealer named Jake Weinberg. In the twenties, a drug dealer to work under you was a lot bigger deal than it is now because so there wasn't as many connections. Oh, okay. You know, so if you lose, like nowadays, the drug game is basically a vacuum. You pull one person out, the next guy is just going to pop up there. It's a never-ending cycle. Back then, if you lose a guy, that could be that whole contact dries up. Ah, I see. A contact was a big deal. So you lose a drug dealer, you could lose that whole wing of your business. They killed him on February 3rd, 1927. Obviously, the Purple Gang doesn't react to this well. In order to try to get them together, the Purple Gang kidnapped a close friend of Frank Wright's named Meyer Bloomfield. And they told him that we would, we'll hold him for ransom, but you and your whole crew need to come pick him up from the Miloflores Apartments, apartment 308. Frank Wright's like, okay, we're going to show up and we're going to pick up our boy. When they showed up at apartment 308 of the Miloflores apartment at 4.30 a.m. on March 28th, uh, Wright, Bloom, and Cohen knocked on the door, and at the end of the other end of the hallway, a door opened where three guys emptied their weapons, gunned them down, and escaped down the stairway. When the police showed up, Bloom and Cohen were both dead on arrival, and they were so riddled with bullets that the coroners couldn't count them. Damn. So were their weapons Tommy guns? There, there was a Tommy gun involved. So what it turns out is the three men were Fred the Killer Burke, who was using a Tommy gun, and the uh, Siamese twins. Abe Axler and Eddie Fletcher, who at one point were covered on an episode that was kind of lost to the ether. The Siamese Twins were big members of the Purple Gang. They they were two of their big hitmen. So it was the Siamese Twins, as they were known, and Fred Killer Burke. So Fred Killer Burke had a Tommy gun, and the Siamese Twins had 1911s, which to this day is one of the predominant handguns in America. It's it's proof that uh, big, heavy, and slow can still get the job done. Now, Frank Wright was shot 14 times, but he was still alive when they got there. Who's he, Tupac? (laughs) He ended up dying 20 hours later, but they tried to keep him alive to try to get him to snitch on, you know, whoever shot him. And the only quote that they were able to get out of him was he said, I don't know who it was, but the machine gun sure worked. I fell down some stairs. They, They ended up pulling more than 110 bullets between the walls and the dead bodies found. All right. That that happened in uh that was in Detroit and it's now what's referred to as the Miloflores massacre. Thirty three bullets a person. Well, that was out of the walls and everything. They couldn't even count them in the people. Like at some point, once they got to one hundred and ten, they're like, "What the fuck? Does it matter?" Yeah, yeah. Everybody's dead. Sends a message though. You know what I mean? Like to the other ones, like, "Ah, you fucked with the wrong one." And then that's that's what ends up happening. Like we shut down a whole fucking floor of an apartment building for a couple of days. You you do know we are the Purple Gang, right? Well, the Miloflores Massacre is actually, now goes down as it was kind of the event that set the Purple Gang with that reputation. Oh, okay. Well, it was the first time that people were like, oh, shit, these guys are crazy. And the Miloflores Massacre is the first time that the Tommy gun was used in the Detroit area in the gangland times. Historic uh, situation here. The next day, Abe Axler and Fred Burke were both uh, pulled over and arrested, but neither of them were ever able to be charged with the Middle Floors Massacre. No shit. But not long after this, I don't know if it, the issue was over money or what exactly what the concern was, but soon after that, uh, Burke and his associates ended up in a beef with the Purple Gang. But considering that they were significantly smarter... Than Frank Wright, so instead of going to war, they just opted to go to Chicago and start freelancing out of Chicago. Okay, we agree to disagree. When the perp said, meet us at the middle of Flores to get paid, contractor. <laughs> yeah, he just said, yeah. go to Chicago, fuck it. You know, just uh, severance and whatnot. Oh yeah, we'll pay you, just meet, knock at this, bring your whole crew. <laughs> knock at this door. 
And anytime a uh, anytime you're dealing with a gangster and they tell you bring your home crew, you got to know that's a problem. We promise, no shenanigans. Now, when they went to Chicago, same thing. It was freelance contract work, but they were working for Al Capone, and Al Capone loved Killer Burt. So him and his crew, he called them his American boys. He was American himself. By uh, the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we are talking about a man that was born in Chicago. It's like me telling you two, you guys are my best American friends. You're American, asshole. Yeah, but he's probably he was probably a first-generation American. To him, he was American, but kind of on a technicality to him this is a bunch of bunch of big irish guys from kansas yeah yeah like the the epitome of hillbilly at the time right tanks wearing his outfit right now (laughs) (laughs) every big dude should know the comfort of uh bib overalls that's for sure amen so they became kind of a primary contractor for al capone and they did murders and armed robberies as far east as Brooklyn, New York, as far south as Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, one of the big ones, they killed uh, in Toledo. They robbed a bank where Fred Burke killed a police officer named George Zentera. They kind of just were on a freelance robbery and hits for hire, kind of the old Midwest area. When you're dealing with Capone in the 20s, there's plenty of work to go around. Yeah. And on a side note, every time in one of these bad guy episodes, when someone kills a cop, be it the 1800s or 1980, it's the near the end of the story. Obviously, this one isn't. Kudos to getting away with that one cop kill. <laughs> yep. Like Grand Theft Auto, like their star level went up to like four real quick, yeah. but then <laughs> back to two somehow, some, some way. He parked in the garage, got his car painted. <laughs> Which is hilarious now. That was closer to a time where you could do... Like, that was closer to a thing then, right? Yeah. If they didn't actually see you... Shave and dye your hair and like, what? Pictures of this guy to go from. We are talking about a man that's been going by Fred Burke for 15 years. That's his creative made-up name. You could have called yourself anything like Zarly Zalapsky, anything like weird, (laughs) anything out there. That motherfucker said, Fred Burke. (laughs) All right, cool, shit. Uh, Maybe that's why it worked. We'll just go with the lamest name we can find. Like, every, everybody's going to believe that. It yeah. worked, because Uncle Al was like, man, that's American as apple pie. That's my yeah. best American friend right yeah. there. That's Fred Burke. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. How could he not be American as fuck? His name yeah. is Fred Burke. Al Capone, we know, his whole reign in Chicago, he had problems with the Northside Gang which was uh, ran by Bugs Moran. That was kind of his arch nemesis. On February 14th, 1929, four men... Two dressed as cops, two dressed in regular kind of uh, hats and dusters uniforms, walked into a garage owned by Bugs Moran. Seven men were lined up and murdered with two Tommy guns and two shotguns. Oh, damn. Came in like they were going to arrest some people or pull off some official shit and then just fucking gunned them down. Brilliant. Same thing, though. Back in a time where if you knew the right person, you could get some official enough uniforms, you'd be able to pull that shit off, you know? And and what also helped it work, what they did, was they went in, the four of them, and then when they left, the two cops left with the two guys arrested. Uh, In custody. In custody. A classic classic switcheroo uh, cop criminal, you know, or criminal justice cop move. We've seen that on movies before, right? So if you even if you hear all that noise, so you got these two Tommy guns and two shotguns going off, and, and you check to see what's out there, and you look, and you see two cops coming out with two guys, you're like, oh. That's the same thing. Back at the time when you could probably come on the street and be like, everything out here is okay. And everybody <laughs> had to fucking believe you because, I mean, there's no cell phones, you know? There's no fucking video cameras. There ain't no proof. It's like fucking written word and fucking taking people's, uh, you know, you know, word for true and shit. So, yeah. Well, was, the cherry on that Sunday is they had... Obviously, a real police car outside. Like you said, at the, like, hey, what did you do about it? I don't know. Two cops said that they got it. Like, yeah. what am I supposed to do? Everything Question the p- authority? Yeah. I mean, I watched Justin in action, motherfucker. I mean, I went back to sleep and slept great that night. Like, shit was taken care of. Like, we don't got to worry about that motherfucker garage no more and shit. Well, and, and one of the things that a lot of witnesses said was even some of them when that heard noise, it sounded like an air gun that they were kind of used to hearing. It was a mechanic shop. Oh, okay. 
So it, it kind of sounded, like a lot of people didn't even think it sounded that out of place, really. I mean, it sounded loud, but it was an industrial area yeah. where shit was happening all the time anyways. They were always changing tires over there like they were in NASCAR or something. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking yeah, crazy. Out of the people murdered, five were five of them were members of the Northside gang, and one was a gambler turned, a go- turned gang associate. Like, to me, that sounds like five members of the gang and one gambler turned gang associate. Like, six gang members? Yeah. Like what the? Why does he get like a special designation and shit? Yeah, that. What the fuck are you talking about? No, well, they, that that qualifies for me. They they only forced him into life six months ago. He's the new guy. Well, no, he still counts. Well, and then there was one mechanic. So the mechanic was innocent. Probably. Yeah, was probably. Well, yeah, probably. Well, yeah, because I mean, you're in a fucking gang. You don't want to work on fucking cars and shit. I mean, you got to have at least somebody around to make it look legit. You are you are running a garage. Yeah, that's probably the best mechanic, best paid mechanic in the fucking city. You know, in the area at that time too. You know, Charlie, there's a lot of blood in the back seat. Once you wipe it down, <laughs> wipe it down real good. D- d- just run the air gun every so often, okay? <laughs> He's actually the wolf. From fucking, he's the wolf of that time. Like, we need some fucking bed sheets, uh, bacon soda, you know. See, so now we're up to seven gang members. We've officially turned this poor mechanic (laughs) into the wolf. (laughs) This grease monkey's part of it, too. He said we'd take him, too, before we crush him. Hey, all the garages in the city, that's the one you pick. What are you going to do? No, we won't fix your car. Take your car away. We don't fix cars. Are you kidding me? So out of out of the seven guys, when the police when the real police actually arrived, six of them were dead on arrival. One guy was alive again, and coincidentally, was also shot fourteen times again. So is he the new Tupac that just came back from Cuba? <laughs> He's more bullets than man by now and shit. Hey, did the other guys that didn't that were dead on arrival did they have too many body bullet holes to count? Well, that event is now what's called as it's known as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. So that was, I mean, there was whole guys that had their whole uh, heads shot off. You had, at close range, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre was, at close range, two Tommy guns and two shotguns. Oh, it was like faces like, of death shit. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's, it's dark. You know, they tore them, them up. So we don't have a bullet count. I think it, not after the Miraflores Massacre, they were like, what's with the bullet counting? You know, well, if there's only a half a head on a corpse, like, yeah, what's the point? We got the cause of death. Many bullets. Yes. The guy that was found alive, he was shot 14 times. His name was Frank Gussenberg, who was also a pretty big hitman at the time, but he was one of Bugs Moran's guys. And he was a German hitman, which at the time, there was a lot of Italian mobsters, Jewish mobsters. Irish. Irish. You didn't have a lot of Germans, so that was kind of a oddball for... Not a lot of Krauts. (laughs) But when he was found alive, same thing. They tried to keep him alive. To get him to give some information. You know what he told the cops? Fuck you. (laughs) That's who shot me. Fuck you. Put 15 in me. He told the cops that no one shot him. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Fig Newton of your imagination. (laughs) Think these are bullet holes? Hmm? I showed up with these. It was a workplace accident. Like my cousin at the Flores Hotel said, I fell down some stairs. (laughs) After the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, that was kind of the end of the romantic era of gangster times. Like, up until then... How ironic on Valentine's Day. <laughs> it just ended the romantic era. I never thought of that, but that's true. Damn. Remember the dime... Yeah, no, the quarter just... no, nickel novels and stuff like that? Like No, America, it was a part of that era's Americana. Like, you loved the gangster in the way that they were just fighting the man with you. They were the working man. They were doing mob shit, but vice-wise. Alcohol, when Big Brother said you couldn't have none. Hot and cold running pussy because they ran, like, them vices, like prostitution. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. really, like, nowadays the mob doing their credit card fraud and their heroin importing and all. Like, you could be against them, but back then they were just as blue-collar as your Ford workers or your... It, it was a lot more providing services that people want. Like you said, prostitution, uh, gambling. You know, I want to gamble. I want to go play Shy- the numbers. Yeah. Shy lockers. You could buy a house for five grand back then, get it from Fat Tony. You all make grand back, and he'll break your knee if you don't give it to him. But the bank ain't going to give it to you, fuck. Go get it from him. You yeah. Know? Yeah, it's not any different from now. Like the, the separation between the have and the have nots was was a big one, you know, and like the, the rich and the poor it was a it was a big divide just like now. That kinda ended. Like I said, it used to be, it used to be like, Oh, Jesse James is the shit, oh Al Capone, you know, these these Robin Hood gangsters. 
And after the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, that was like a kind of hit everybody in the face. Like, oh, this is fucking... They're like <laughs> Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers. They ain't like got their alarm clock set for six in the morning. They're fucking... This was like three days ago when they went from, no, oh, the flu to fucking yeah. shut your shit down. Like, we, we're scared of this now. But I mean, if it not... is like that prophecy type aspect like it is end of days like he said our fans need to know about fred killer burke like we're not gonna fucking (laughs) let you go meet your maker or whatever happens at at that point like without knowing this story don't trust it guys download it so you'll have it when the cell towers are off and that way you can listen to it and did we mention instagram look at our shit on there Well, I mean, the man brought the fucking Tommy gun to Detroit. This right. ha- this has to be discussed, okay? This is important to me. Henry so. Ford brought the automobile assembly line, and Fred Killer Burke brought the Thompson gun. That was the whole, that era from 1910 to... Pioneers. I mean, yes. I guess some other shit happened, the Roaring Twenties or whatever, but, but mostly the Purple Gang, Killer Burke, and uh, Ford... But yeah, so that was that brought everything to light that, okay, we need to wrap this shit up. Like, this gangster shit ain't cute. And they put on big pressure. And they had arrests from up and down the coast, like, looking for suspects. It was one of the original big-time man hunts. It wasn't long after that that Capone actually got caught. Well, you that, hit it on the head when you said the romanticism with the, the gangster. It totally switched when we wanted to get rid of it as like a societal thing, as society. Elliot Ness and all they, the fugitive type shows were coming out where the cop was the, the good guy again. Like, yeah, we don't love our gangsters. Get them, Elliot. Like, they're yeah, not that, untouchable. It's the exact uh, progression. All of a sudden it goes from fucking old gangster shit to film noir. Now all of a sudden, yeah, the Humphrey dark Bogart's detective. the detective. Hey, come here. You see these bums? These Egan rats around here? Better start spewing now. Tell me where they were. Fucking come over there and rat your fucking head in with a ratchet. Which is the exact same accent he was doing a gangster with yeah. two, two, two years prior. To I'm going to pump you full of lead, fuckface. <laughs> all right, so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a little bit. listening just real quick want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app go to apple itunes give us a five-star rating and leave us a review and we'll read it on the show if you have any questions comments or a guy that you would recommend we cover you can email us at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com we also want to thank sixfo sueno for letting us use his music in the intro you can subscribe to him on youtube and also friend of the show cancer He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show. All right, and we're back. Now, Tank, you, you said you tried that tiramisu stout, right? Yep, yep, that you was like the that? second one I cracked, and... Uh... I'm getting ready to jump into a boss tweed next. So that one's gone thumbs up across the board. Oh, I think, man. On the podcast. So. That, was a, that was a delicious brew, uh, the tiramisu stout. Uh, 
Ellison Brewing Company, and uh, man, hit the, hit that one on the head. I mean, it actually does kind of taste a little bit like tiramisu. Yeah, so I think that go like a straight hit across the board, like everybody. Now, when we left off, St. Valentine's Day Massacre kind of ended the, like I said, the romantic era of gangsterdom as we know it, and all these guys kind of went on the run. You know, not long after that, a couple of years later, Capone ended up getting busted on tax evasion. But there was a lot of heavy pressure on Fred Burke. Now, no charges were ever filed, and they had made a bunch of arrests. But Fred Burke was always kind of the number one suspect in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Because of his middle name? <laughs> because when you're Killer Burke, you're, you're the yeah. first first guy people... Hey, a bunch of people got killed. You're the machine gun guy. That's your thing, right? A funny thing, uh, he wasn't only the first guy to bring the Tommy gun to Detroit. He was the first guy when cops started asking what your alias was because for a while they are like, wait, we've just been letting this motherfucker run around called Killer? <laughs> well, yeah, he's the fucking prime suspect. Ask everybody from now on what their alias is because if we're going to let a, another Tom Killer Jones fucking <laughs> slide <laughs> underneath our nose, then... <laughs> but yeah, we should probably take a look into... The, I'm not a great detective, <laughs> but we should dig in a little here. So Killer Burke does what he always does when... He's got a duck out as he comes to Michigan. All right. He goes He goes to Michigan to hide out again. But on December 14th, 1929, in St. Joseph, Michigan, while out drunk driving, uh, Burke rear-ended another car and drove off. Now, it was seen by a patrolman named Charles Scully. Oh, man, bad luck. How many yeah. patrolmen's, you know, in St. Joseph, Michigan? 19, in 1929. Yeah, you figure, like, this motherfucker's been getting away with murders and shit. Don't tell me this is going to be the one to do them in. Well, in 1929, there's not even, there's not many cars anywhere, <laughs> let alone one to rear end and a cop to see it. Yep. Like, Officer Skeeter Scully seen it. Like, <laughs> Thanks, This is what bro. I've been waiting for, boys, some action. I've been sitting here in St. Joseph, Michigan... With no action. Barney Fife style. Got one bullet up here in his pocket. Like, oh, let's get him. Let's like, get him. Oh, he rear-ended that guy. I'm in pursuit. Here we go. Hope you're insured, asshole. <laughs> Officer Charles Skelly pursues him. And at some point, he ends up running him off the road. Was he... You don't specify. Was he <laughs> off-duty? Like, he runs no, him down he, in his own personal <laughs> truck? No, he, I mean, he was in his cop car. Okay, right. so, okay. Uh, I mean... I believe I th- it would have said. It's, I didn't I, realize that in 1928, like the pit maneuver was a thing. But go ahead, he runs him off the road. Yeah, but <laughs> fuck. He was ahead of it. He invented. Yeah. The first time the pit maneuver was used. <laughs> Another first for killer. Fuck. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. Like, Killer's probably fucking running for the cop. Like, this motherfucker's trying to pimpin' over me. I just rear-ended him, man. Like, fuck, I can't, I can't get away with that. Charles Skelly, there's one for the good guy. He's a good guy <laughs> podcast. He invented the pit maneuver for you. <laughs> At one point, as Fred Burke's trying to drive off, Charles Skelly ends up on his running boards. Dude. <laughs> oh, man, this is getting this Is this better. the Scully from X-Files? Like, this dude is persistent, like... He's like that one, he's like the cop who's like, I've been training for this shit my whole life. Like, he's probably like 0% body fat. Fuck you, he's, he's from Terminator, he's metal and yeah. shit. Like, clink, he's fucking on his bumper. A Fred Killerberg. Yeah. Like, you, you just ran him off the road and what, you're, you're, you're immediately, you're rigs. You're, you're, you're out the fucking ride. Pull over. And I need to know about that. Like, how did you get from your cruiser to on his running yeah. boat? Like, this is some speed fucking Hollywood. Th- I'm picturing Dukes of Hazard over the hood. Like, I feel like he had to slide over that hood and try and fucking jump on his running boards, you know? Don't get me wrong. The cars were definitely different. I mean, this is, um, we're still in the 20s, you said. So, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, these are different cars. It's not like we're, they're all doing uh, 150 miles an hour, but, I mean, they're still probably getting up to pretty decent speeds. And Okay, but is... police, in the 20s, police actions in their pursuits were different. Not many of them were like, they didn't see movies, so yeah. they weren't in the 28 jumping out like, That's get on I'm this saying. motherfucker's bumper, like, get the fuck out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess that made it sound like it wasn't no uh You didn't shit, hear me say yeah. fucking pull over? <laughs> That's what For I real? Like, Killer like Burke will fucking kill you on a Tuesday, bro. Like, like, man, what? this is the only action I've had in St. Joseph in a minute, and I'm not letting you get away with that shit. There's one stop sign on this dirt road. You ran that dude off the road. I want to fucking give somebody a ticket. <laughs> you had plenty of room, asshole. 
This ticket book's been full for four years, dickhead. <laughs> it was the day of it. That's what he'd been waiting for. It was you can't action. Can't pull the Amish over and their horse and buggies. So uh, Killer Burke ends up shooting him three times and kills him. Oh. And drives off. Hey, second cop though for Killer Burke. Most, we got most guys don't get in the in the life of. Any gangster, even off of the show, like, when you kill a cop, a judge, something like that, like, it's usually, like, the instant. He got away with the other one way in the beginning of the story, and, yeah. like, you're going to go ahead. Group but, like, yeah. but this one, he's, yeah, he's, he's by himself, maybe, and his... It, but, I mean, cops had pistols back then, I hope, right? Like, I mean, just bad shot, maybe? Well, I guess I'm topping out at 45 for miles an hour, and you're on his running board. Like, hot, your accuracy might be like, shit, I can't reach for my shit, like... I'm sorry, I was kind of rooting for him at this point, like, because this motherfucker was on his running board, dude. Like, I'm rooting for this guy. Char- yeah, Charles Skelly, the action movie. Yeah, I man. mean, like, wait, can we, we gonna do an episode about him? We can't, because this was his only action. Yeah. Oh, shit. So they, they put on a full-scale manhunt. The car was found wrecked and abandoned. It was registered to a man named Fred Dane. They Fred found, Killer Dane? They, they ended up finding... Fred Dane's bungalow, and they, they found a bulletproof vest, two Tommy guns, two shotguns, a box of pistols. It said a box. Like, I don't know, even know what that means. Like, just a, <laughs> like, a whole box of them. <laughs> what the fuck? That's Them's more than a couple. Put this in a shitty pistol box. Uh, he had a thousand, a thousand rounds of ammunition and $320,000 in bonds that were stolen from a Wisconsin bank. Oh, okay. So was Fred Dane Fred Burt? So, in the, yeah. So they found his car. It was Fred Burke, but he kills this cop and bounces out, and they find his car, then they find his house, and they find everything, and it's him, but now he's living in St. Joseph as Fred Dane. you got to change the first name. When you were Jasper Jenkins, you said, hey, I could call myself anything in the world, but I'll go Fred Burke. Then when you get this lifelong career, now we're coming up on the end of your career. And you got three hundred grand back in 1928. That's like having a couple million. Yeah, man, that's big time. You called yourself, instead of Fred Burke, you said, you know, I'm going way different. Fred Dane, put it down, <laughs> put it on the paper. Like, come on, man. Like you and, said. Like, bro, all you had to do was pull over and exchange him for fucking Mation. <laughs> but instead, you decide to gangster it up on your little hit and run rear end shit and lose fucking 300 G's and times 10 at least, right? So $3 million fucking this time's money. Jesus Christ. Two bulletproof vests and a shoebox full of pistols? How is you this smart to have this much cash, but this dumb to not even make your alias like a whole completely... Like, the the last name's different, but the first name's the same. All right, I'll The stop. middle name, too. Fred Killer Dane. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, I, think, I think fucking he's so stupid. We've been calling you Fred for 15 years, right? If all of a sudden we change, if we change it to Mike Dane... I'm going to be talking to you, and I'm going to be like, Mike, Mike, and you're not going to pay attention. Oh, yeah, that's me, Mike. You, well, you know, your, like, your Tommy gun work, I'd call myself Thompson S. Got him. Fuck him. <laughs> like, Fred Dane. Another name you picked. You could have picked anything in the world. Well, his first name was Tom, right? Yeah. Thomas A. Camp. So, yeah, Tommy Thompson. Your real name was better than the name you made up. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it was your weapon of choice. He was, he was destined... To become a fucking Tommy Gun guy. His name was Tom Cam. Both the Tommy Guns that they found were both used in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And one was used in the killing of, of New York mob boss Frankie Yale. No shit. I, I'm sorry. I'm not a big time gun guy fellow. But you said they knew that. I'm trying to figure out how. So like ballistics were a thing back then? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, well shot- was, it Mil- was one used in the Miller Flores thing as well? It, it, it doesn't say. I don't know that they have ballistics on the Mila Flores one. So that part of the case is still cold? Or might that I might work on that? That might have been his his original. That was his old Tommy gun. His first back in the That's day. That's the one in the violin case, fool. Those guns today are still had by the Michigan State Police in the county of Barringer. At this point, Fred Burke was on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. So now that they had all of his information... They started digging into his background, and they found all his other, like, aliases and stash houses and shit. And he Man. was found to have been living under aliases Fred Dean, Fred Campbell, Theodore Cameron. Was the other? Wow, because Fred Dean and Fred Dane are way so different, like. But, you know, I've seen this pattern, though. I've watched other, you know, biographies and stuff of criminals. It seems like they... The aliases never are mixed up enough for me, man. It's almost like 
I, I can remember all my hustles, but I don't want to have to remember changing my fucking name from Fred to Michael. It's like Fred Dane, Fred this, Fred that, <laughs> Big Bobby, Little Bobby, Little Little Bobby, Bobby Jr. Like, wait, no, man, like, change this shit up a little bit. Like, I. Well, and you see, even when he changed it up, he changed one it Theodore. to Theodore Cameron. That's still, his original name was Thomas Camp. So that's right. still like the same initials. Yeah. So even when he tried to switch it up, like he always kept his name kind of the same. He fled to rural North Missouri. Oh, I thought you were going to say rural North Michigan. <laughs> like, goddamn. No, he fi- well, obviously. He's, he's in Traverse City. <laughs> that's not rural, asshole. That's like a big city up north. He finally settled on the nickname Richard F. White. Okay. There we go. Dick White. <laughs> All right. Got away from the Fred nickname, got away from the initials. Yeah, went with Dick White. Don't be a Richard. So in 1930, he ends up marrying a lady named Bonnie Porter, and he moves to Green City, Missouri. Bonnie Porter always thought he was a traveling businessman. And yeah, he, he was. Would, and he would travel and rob banks. At that point, that was enough information. Like, what would specifically do? I'm a businessman. I'm a banker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that was it, because if you were bringing in the cash, that I mean, you know, she 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 wouldn't have to know. Yeah. You're still you're bringing home the bacon at the end of the day. Hell, you could be going and selling livestock for all she knows. Hell, she didn't even know they were Bonnie and Fred. <laughs> and what? I'm sorry. What year did you say that was again? 1930. Okay, 1930. So he's 37. Yeah. Man, he had a busy he had a busy couple years there. Not couple. Fucking decade and shit. Well, the prohibition. I mean, it was the whole twenties. Is war war era. Yep. You know, it's like it's the World War Two of gangsterdom. On March twenty sixth, nineteen thirty one, a guy from Green City read a True Detective magazine and recognized Fred Burke as a guy that he knew from his neighborhood named uh, Richard White. He called the authorities and they checked him out and uh, he was arrested without incident at his father in law's house. And see, that was that's interesting that you said that because back then, I mean, like like now you have social networking and stuff like that was social networking back then. So it's interesting that you know that that's how it ended up, and it, it, that's the first no second time he's been arrested. Yeah, he had got like a couple shitty little things okay. earlier. All yeah, right. yeah. All right. Back in uh, I don't have after he got out the army and shit. I'm I don't have my notepad, so I'm not being I'm not able to keep. Yeah, score. but he had a long career. Earned the name Killer. Good on the machine gun. Killed two cops. Got away with all that shit. St. Valentine's Day Massacre a part of. Got away with all that shit and some jackass reading a fucking <laughs> NCIS book. Fucking, that's how you got caught. Like, not even a wanted poster, like, in the, in the, in the town. Like, the irony yeah. of it, like, Nadine, look. He looks just like Fred Dane. I'm going to tell the authorities. Cletus, <laughs> you can't even read. What are you doing with that book? Like... <laughs> I was gonna say he might have just chilled, but he was still out robbing banks. It was only a matter of time till you find yourself in another massacre. How long would it have been if he didn't get caught up that way, like before another cop's on his fucking running board? Well, yeah, I mean, when you're running, when you're running away from fucking rear ends and shit, you know, you know, I could also see the the side of him as like ah, the way I'm looking at it is like he got caught up. You know, he was arrested without incident. He was in kind of a comfort mode. You know, he was. Lying to his wife, he was he was definitely on good terms with his father in law because he was just chilling there when he got arrested and shit. So he had kind of maybe at this point in in Tank's mind he had submitted to more of the domestic lifestyle, right? And then the irony though, like after you said, "All right, I'm gonna be a working schlep," like, oh, this dude read in a magazine <laughs> that I gotta go to prison now. Thanks. He was convicted of the Officer Skelly murder and was given a life sentence in Marquette State Prison in Michigan. After several years of failing health and diabetes, he died of a massive heart attack on July 14th, 1940. 47. 10 years, in, well, no, a little bit less than 10 years in prison. And in Marquette, too, man, which for the, it's cold. For the listeners, that's the Upper Peninsula. You know, just cold. so you don't got to check Google. Uh, upper Peninsula, middle, you know, 30 inches of snow in one storm and shit, like that kind of Michigan. It's the biggest city in the UP, and it still has four people. So, yeah. like, that's, <laughs> it's like when you put... Super killer in Siberia. You know, same thing. 
cool place, though. Beautiful. I, I do think it's crazy that uh died of health issues and a massive heart attack in, in 1940. He wasn't that old. But he was on top of the... I guess what I'm saying is, is like, when you when you die of a heart attack, it's, it's usually because of bad diet or something like that at a young age. So, I mean, he was a gangster. He probably wasn't doing a lot of exercising. He's probably eating good, you know what I mean? So, I mean, he could have probably just, I mean, up until the time he was in prison, he could have just been eating, you know, eating whatever the fuck he wanted and, you know, I don't know. You seen good fellas. He could have been in his cell, like, fry me up some sausage. Come on. (laughs) Right, right. You know, I didn't want to sell mate, but I'm going to go ahead fry me up that third steak. (laughs) I'm going in. Got nothing to do but eating here. All right, that's the story of uh, Fred Killer Burt. And Fred Dane and Fred Do. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. So, new segment we're doing. You're starting to see a lot of times, as you do these research, the guys are starting to uh, bleed into each other's stories. And there's always all these interesting guys. So, out of the Fred Burke story, if we were going to pick somebody else besides... Fred Burke that we we're going to cover. Who do you think would be a good guy to cover from the story? You want to go first, Tank, or if you're ready and you, I'm got a, I got one on deck. Right. The Siamese twins. Yes, and on the massacre that brought the Tommy Gun to Detroit and the Purple Gang is always close to home. That sounds good, man. I'm going to go with the Siamese twins. The twins. The, the tough part is we typically cover one guy, and it's tough if you pick Eddie Fletcher or Abe Axler. I was you're thinking, kind of telling the same story. Yeah. I was thinking Eddie Fletcher, but that was mostly like see. Even if I picked Eddie Fletcher, like you just said, it would be a story basically about yeah. Abe. And I picked yeah. the twins, so Abe, it's going to be a Eddie Fletcher. And for the record, there was also Simon Axler, who was Abe's older brother that was there most of the time, too, that never gets mentioned. They're talking about the Siamese twins, and it's not even him and his brother. It's, his, it's him and his homie. <laughs> so I thought uh, another guy that I thought would be good would be Frank Gussenberg. You know how you make it as a German hitman when that's not a thing that's even Oh, going yeah. On. Marlon Brando could have played him if he was. Life, like. Well, I think that's one of the most gang. When you're shot 14 times and dying, and when they say, Who shot you? And you said, No one shot me. No one. Yeah. Oh. Forget about it. That's about as gangster as you can get. And I appreciate that. If we get, if we don't appreciate that on this show, then who's gonna? Exactly. So now we got to do the casting. So before I show a picture, if we're gonna make a movie right now about Fred Killer Bird, who do you think you would pick to play him? Now I have a picture. You guys haven't seen it yet. If you have a pre guess, off of his info, being a big corn Fred, big guy from Kansas, and then Al Capone says he's like my big American friend. I'm going to say back then, though, because they had that kind of like him, that chiseled face look. Like, it's not a big actor, but John Cena. John Cena? He's not as a- big. I'm not thinking he's as physically big, but I'm thinking a big guy with a... Yeah, he's got that corn-fed white face. That that stone <laughs> face. Look at that. That looks like somebody chiseled it. I know that's the photography of back then, but like... We're looking for a tall, rough Missouri guy. John Cena could do that. You got anything, Tank? All right, man. So I'm, I'm actually kind of pumped up because I don't watch a lot of movies. I'm more of a TV guy. I know I've said that before, but I actually have a dude for this. And when you said tall, and I think you said athletic or well-built at the beginning of the show... And Irish, it made me think back to a guy, and I know you, you maybe you can help me out on the actor's name from Boardwalk Empire. He was the cop, the deputy. And Is it they, Michael Shannon? They turned him. Ah, oh man, see that's the that's the problem. But he was basically like your average auburn hair Irish looking motherfucker who's tall, and well built and chiseled. He's got the square jaw. But, yeah, that would be him, and uh, I finally have a pick where I actually know who the actor would be, but I don't know his fucking name, so I'm kind of bummed out about it. If it was Michael Shannon, I think it might have been DC, picked him to play John Ashley. And I believe that you're correct there, because I was going to say, I forgot who picked him before, but somebody has also mentioned him, but it's just I'm such a bad... uh, call when it comes to cast members on shows and remembering actors' names that it's it sucks, man. Here's the picture of Fred Killer Burt. Oh, my God. Oh, I was way off. So was... That's, Hitler ass. Yeah. 
Fucking A. Buscemi more in line, huh? No, the Just guy the that face. says from commercial fame, don't squeeze the Charmin. That's who the fuck that is. Like That's Fred Killer Burke. It's not how he looks. The worst part is how crooked that mustache is. Yeah. Like, Where'd his other half of his lip go? They don't have scissors in 1928? Yeah, that was off. I mean, and even for tank standards, that was a crooked-ass mustache trim. But right there, that's the dude that's um, Mr. Adam. Adam's family, I forget his name, but... In this other picture we got, we could see that even while arrested, he's got like a cigar and a fedora and some nice shoes and shit. My guy, I, I would cast with Vince Vaughn. Yeah. You, you were right. It's Michael mustache. Shannon. Sorry, it? it was Michael Shannon. So now I'll know when I pick him again. <laughs> My bad. Well, we tend to do that. Like, okay, so anytime, so anytime it's a little crazy guy, I always think Ben Foster. You know, I'll pick him every time. Uh, Christian Bale, Tom Hardy, you could pick them for any guy. So. If the guy happened, the gangster happened to be real good looking, like Channing Tatum's been picked like four times on these, like. So yeah, I thought Vince Vaughn. He's tall. He could probably he could play fast talking, but you could see him fucking shooting a dude. He could play a little bit of darker too. Yeah. So now we got to do the DefCon scale. Now the standard DefCon scale is five to one, five being the lowest, one being the highest. On the Bad Guy podcast, nobody's a good guy. So five is Lee Murray, your crack dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. And one is the Purple Gang, who has multiple massacres and gang wars, and they kill cops on the street. So on a list of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Fred Killer Burke? One plus. He's part of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. There's no... It's kind of unfair to everybody coming after me, but, like... How would you not put... He's a part of the mess. He's part of our DEFCON scale. Like, not just in name. Like... Yeah. He ran his whole career. Got earned the name Killer. Fred Killer Burke. He made up the Fred Burke part, but earned the killer. (laughs) Um... Part of that name was earned. Killed two cops. Pretty much got away with... If that dude didn't read the magazine at the worst possible time in his life, would have got away with killing two cops. Like, kind of was going off into the sunset to retire, but had a killer-ass killer career. All right, what do you think, Tank? Man, I agree. When you're rear-ending a motherfucker and you could just drive away after that, but instead you choose to run and then kill a cop after, that's a one. The St. Valentine's Day massacre, that's a one. I mean, and and he's polarizing to me because he wasn't smart enough with the aliases and being able to hide his bonds and shit, like maybe under fucking ground or in some goddamn floorboards or somewhere where somebody's <laughs> not going to fucking catch. Yeah, but he was Bird smart seats. enough to, like, outsmart the the guys in Detroit and use the fucking Tommy guns to pump fucking hundreds of bullets into people. <laughs> so, But, yeah, either way, uh, he's a one. And uh, that's a solid one, like, you know, I know there's probably worse ones out there, but he's achieved one status just because of, like I said, would you mowing somebody's cranium down to where they can't even recognize it with bullets? Yeah, that's a one. That, that early Tommy gun work, I think nowadays we call that an early adapter. He, he knew early on, hey, this is going to work. You guys are sleeping on this Tommy gun. Watch what I can do. He had vision. Well, and he got the job done. He had some longevity. You know, some decent length, didn't get busted too many times. And obviously, not only would it be a unanimous, you know, DEFCON choice, like, he could actually be the other end. We're local with, like, local artist Swaino doing the song, local craft brews, local, like, eat better made and, like, drink Fago, like, local shit. We go to the Purple Gang in the DEFCON because they're Detroit people. Like, it could be on a scale from Lee Murray to... Fred Killer Burke, you know, definitely. Yeah. Like, that's how that's how much he fits that part of the DEF CON. Yeah, you could take, you could take you. him, you could put from Lee Murray to the Twins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's interchangeable. And he's like an all-star in that world, though. Like, he's worked for the Purple Gang, worked for Capone, worked for, you know what I mean? Yeah. He gets a unanimous DEF CON 1. All right. Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEF CON 1. He's good at what he does. Now we're going to do some listener feedback. If you go rate us and review us on iTunes, we want five-star ratings, and you leave a review, we read it online. If you email us at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com, we'll read that online too. But yeah, if, if you have a question, a comment, someone that you want us to cover, you can send us an email. Our first five-star review today is from Five Paparazzi. It says, story time. I love a good story, beer, history, and great friends. This podcast is all of the above. 
Locke, you are doing a great job. You really have something special. Nothing else like this. Wow, man, that's that's awesome. Yeah, Thanks a cool. lot. It's nice to be appreciated, you know, somebody's listening. Definitely. We, I mean, appreciate it. I feel like that's what we're going for, you know, like history, kind of. I looked it up. It's a thing. But. Yeah, this guy exists, but we're no historians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, I said we, but I've only been on three times, man. It's your shit, but... It's, it's all our shit. Our other five-star review we got today is from uh, Gangsta Mommy FL. Uh, fair to assume female, that? I'm assuming. All or right. Whatever. That, but I'm, <laughs> I'm I not going to assume. Whatever. I dig that. Gangsta Mommy, FL, either way. Uh, best podcast I ever subscribed to. Uh, funny as hell. I love what you're doing. Easy listening. Feel like I'm part of the conversation. Thanks for this. That's cool, That's man. pleasant. Thank you. Gangsta Mommy, we feel the same way. And I'm assuming FL is Florida. We have a big listener base in uh, Florida, which is also where John Ashley's from. So just well, We did our own Pirates of the Caribbean, so... Tom Brady heading to Florida. Right? Tampa Bay. Yeah. Florida's the spot. Hey, man, I'm I'm, I'm looking for, you know what, uh, sorry, side note, sports related. I know this doesn't matter, but I told a co-worker I thought Tom Brady was going to go NFC because then that way, in his eyes, he's going to make it back to the Super Bowl. Maybe the Patriots will be there. So, anyways. But then he went to Tampa Bay, so... Making it to the well, that's what's going to be tough. But but if <laughs> should have went to the Cowboys. But that's your receivers, it, man. But if you, you can do it, you'd be the fucking man, that, though. Right? That's the way well, to prove it, it, right? You would way be the man because or it's you. Just, or you could just and get hurt and say fuck. All it. the nobodies around you, cream sickles, baby, Tampa Bay. All right, today we got our first listener email to Lock and Crew. Love the podcast, guys. Episode 4 on Tommy Karate is the best one so far. Hearing someone outside of Brooklyn breaking down L&B's Pumani Gardens bought some instant credibility. Thanks for making the work commute fly by. Keep up the good work. Loyal fans, Pumani Jones. That's the Thank uh, you, Spumani. <laughs> we've, heard for, we've heard from Spumani before. Right. And before I started listening with my wife, uh, I used it on the commute, too. And it, and it was like, it felt like five minutes. So I'm with you, Spumani. I haven't been to New York often, but I have been on that Brooklyn train, and yes, that is a commute, so I can imagine. Well, and it's kind of fitting because we did do the Tommy Karate episode at this studio. Yeah. And even though J-Bone wasn't on that episode, you did go to Spumani Gardens with me when we were in Brooklyn. Yeah. I've been to New York, man. I loved it there. And it was it was an awesome experience. I was young. It was a half a lifetime ago, but I, I loved it, man. Yeah, it's New cool. York City, that is. It's a crazy fucking spot, man. Yeah, so. I can foresee in the future taking the whole clan out, doing a cast or two from out there. You know, just wow, now that would be fucking sweet right there. We get Spumani, you coming? Jones. Damn straight. <laughs> that's that's for sure. He's hopefully he would be there. All right, that's it. You guys got anything before we go? Quotes? Just, uh, Any quotes? Oh, I didn't. Uh, I forgot. I, it's not a quote from us, but my American friend. I mean, I know <laughs> it's supposed. You know, maybe the idea was quotes that we said, but uh, the amount of beers I'm into now, I, I'm struggling to remember any of mine or anybody else's. But I know my American friend, Fuck. my best American friend, right? Yeah, was the quote. All right. I uh, I forgot to do a quote. It's only it's only super important because we put them in the title. That no, was the one I was in holding what on title? To. I'm lost. Uh, like when we do the title episodes, there's always the the guy in a oh, quote. You got the okay. banner that runs, and then yeah, there's yeah. the description below it. And it's the guy in a quote from the episode. And then the air quotes, right? Yeah, like the um, they were popping for one episode. Um, another one was the Ashley Brothers ain't no hoes. Yes, yep, that's the <laughs> that's that shit. I love that one. Well, I'm I'm a simple creature. I ain't that smart. You just say something that I think is kind of funny. And I will name my episode that. Sometimes simple is, the, is this, easy. Well, you know, it'll be a playback, and then it'll be on the... We'll, we can discover it when you title the... I was going to say, I'll find it in editing. It, it's in right. there. Because I catch them. All right. One more time before we go. I want to make sure Swaino for letting us use this music in the intro. Oh, Subscribe to him on YouTube. Thank you, man. Go follow us on Bad Guy Podcast at Instagram. On That was old man as me as fuck. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at Bad Guy Podcast, and then friend of the show, Cancer. Go to his graphic design uh, Instagram. It's Eyes Eyes Bleed Defiance. He did our new cover art. You can take a look at that. And then J Bone's got the the new show coming out. Uh, be on Wednesdays. North Jersey Memoirs. I mean, if you're into gangster shit, you're probably into Sopranos. Check that out. 
All right, guys, uh, thanks for coming and thanks for listening. Yeah, say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. Down bad, my mama had to be dead Spent my birthdays in the trap, we had to work with what we had She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the can, man, man. And I don't need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands A hundred jugs, a hundred scams, ay, ay. So I don't money grabbed a hundred hams I don't money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay. And I still keep it on me. Run into your big homie. First you meet your dead homie. Ay. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy.